Good morning. Welcome to Church at Briargate. You are the ones who remember to set your clocks ahead. Yay for you. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. My name is Trisha Winslow, and I'm the Women's Ministry Director here. And I just want to say it's lovely to meet in the house of God. Isn't God good? All the time. That's right. Um, I just want to tell you about Church at Briar, get a little bit of stuff about what's going on here. If you have your bulletin, be sure to read through that. There's some very important things that are going on, things that you aren't going to want to miss. Um, you can also fill out, you can sign up for some of the events. You can fill out information on the flap on the outside of that bulletin. If you're new and visiting with us, if you have a information that you'd like to update, that's a great place to do that. And you can drop it in the offering plates as they go by. You can also keep up with what's going on around here by following on Facebook and checking out the website too. So we're going to go ahead and pray for this morning's tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity, the blessing, and the privilege of coming into your house and glorifying you through our songs, through our praise, and also through our giving. And Lord, I pray that you will take this tithe, these tithes and offerings, that you will further them and bless them for your kingdom, that your work would go forth in our community, in our state, in our country, and in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, and you can watch the screens for more announcements. Hi, I'm Bob. Welcome to the church at Briargate. We're excited that you're spending part of your weekend with us. Let me tell you about a few events that we have coming up. Our annual church business meeting will be here at the church on Wednesday, March 14th at 7 p.m. All are welcome, and members are encouraged to attend in order to participate in the voting process. Our annual Easter egg hunt will be on March 31st, and we need your help stuffing the eggs with candy. We'll be working on this a few different times this month, but the first Easter egg volunteer day will be this Thursday, March 15th, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. here at the church. If you're able to come help, we'd greatly appreciate it. The Journey is a class led by Pastor Scott with the intention of helping you know God, the Bible, and the purpose of the church at Briargate. The next journey will be on Sunday, March 18th at Pastor Scott and Linda's home from 5 until 8 p.m. Dinner will be provided, so please use the simple sign-up in your bulletin if you plan to join. Thanks again for worshiping with us today. For more information about any of our events, be sure to check your bulletin or visit our website, churchatbriargate.org. You can also stay connected by liking us on Facebook. Have a great week. Hello, welcome to Church at Braggett. Uh, my name is Jacob Kitonsa, and again, I'm here to share with you some more information about life groups. And today I'm focusing on factors that can help us succeed as life group members. Number one, we have to be uh, Christ-centered. Everything we do through life groups needs to focus on glorifying the name of Jesus Christ and enabling us to draw closer to Jesus Christ. Number two, we need to be people-centered. Everything we do through life groups should be geared at enabling people to gain value and feel respected, loved, and cared for. And so all the activities, all the plans and strategies that we have should really be aimed at express and demonstrate uh, the fact that we respect people, we value people, and we care for, for others. The other factor that can really help us succeed through life groups is being simple. We shouldn't complicate all the plans we have, all the activities we have. 
Everything needs to be fun, interactive. You know, we should be doing life together in the simplest way and keep it enjoyable. But also we need to focus on empowering life group members. So if as life group leaders, we need to make sure that all the activities that we are doing, everything we are focusing on in terms of strategy and planning should be aimed at empowering and equipping the body of Christ, the life group members, so that they can engage in the community, engage in their families, and engage here at church. At the same time, we need to be mission-minded. In other words, all the activities that we are doing and all the plans and strategies that we are focusing on as life group members, we need to remember that we are here to advance the mission of church at Briargate, enabling people to draw closer to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and to bring along as many as possible. The last one is really listening, learning, and providing feedback. So if you are participating in life group activities, don't just keep quiet if things are not going right or you have an idea to improve what can be done. So be involved, provide feedback, listen, learn, and let's support each other. I think they go places and they go fishing. Talk, eat food. Um, they have fun and learn about God and they have more fun. Seriously? Meat. I think they ate waffles and pizza. Lots of food and probably a lot of pizza. Probably nine a day. <laughs> Two? <laughs> At least 16. I think they have zero. If there's no women there, then I have no clue. I think they give zero hugs. Maybe not very much, so maybe four or five during the entire thing. A lot. Maybe. Uh, I'm starting to rethink. <laughs> no. Kind of? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Because it's fun. It's a chance for guys to be themselves. They can have fun and learn more about God. If you'd like more information about the men's retreat, look on your bulletin or the website. You can pay and register on the website now. morning. So uh, looks like a few people forgot to change their clocks. That just me. I had, had a uh, family, very good friend of mine, that um, every single year during this, this time, at the end of the service, I would, I would be literally a, like last seconds, they'd walk in and sit down and almost every time, as soon as they got sat down, I'd say, okay, now would you stand with me? And every time she'd say, oh, we did it again, every single year. So, um, so this week, this last week, Lynn and I went to um, a little uh, tea shop downtown because uh, Patrick Martin had told me that there was a, some tea that they sell that helps you with headaches and, and stuff like that. And I, I have headaches. And so 
I went down there, I was looking at it, and really neat little tea shop, enjoyed it. They got food, all this other kind of stuff, and then you buy the tea in bulk, and, uh, and then you make up whatever. And so Linda, we went to Texas uh, last Sunday night. We left and went to Texas for a couple of days for some meetings down there, and, um, and she said, okay, we need to take some of this tea uh, in case you have a headache in Texas, you can drink some of the tea, because it actually worked. We tried it. And that's very relaxing. I don't know for sure what's in the tea. I don't, it's not my business what's in the tea. I, I didn't ask them. It, it, it seems kind of like a shifty place, but, you know, I'm not judging whatever. So Linda said, we need to take some of that tea on the airplane with us. So she got out a bag, and she put some of the tea in a bag. And then uh, she got another one, and she, she said, and you need to keep some of this, like, in your car. So when you're at church or somewhere and you need a, so to make some tea. So she gave me a little bag. I know, every one of you here are like, I see a problem with this. <laughs> she didn't see a problem. She's, I was like, Linda, really? She had a bigger one that, we, that she carried on the plane with us. I didn't know that either. And, and any time we get to Texas, this happened while we were there this time. We, went out, we, had, a, we had our board meeting, went out to dinner, and uh, one of the people at the uh, dinner, they say, because um, these are mostly pastors that are there and then s- some other people and. And uh, somebody asks me, same question I get regularly, so in Colorado, how do you deal with the, the pot issue? And they always whisper that part, you know, I, like, like the waiter's going to be, we got a pot talker over here. So um, I said, we deal with it the same way we deal with anything else. There's lots of problems in our lives. That's just one, and that's uh, just a new one. But, but I, I wanted to say, but we also have little baggies in our suitcase <laughs> in case you, okay, I just, I thought that was funny. She said, just put it in your glove box. Okay, that's a good idea. I'll do that. Um, so, so this, uh, this in my head, what, what um, I'm talking about this morning has a little bit to do with what I was talking about last week, um, kind of the breakthrough mentality. And for me, now this, this may be a complete separate subject. It'll, it'll still be applicable to your life, but this may not connect in your head the way it connects in my head. But it does for me, when I'm thinking about um, really going forward in God and pursuing God, and uh, what that means, I, I, um, and and I'm sure some of this is the way I looked at church growing up. But in my in my thinking for years, there was there was these uh, handful of really special people, uh, not like superheroes, but almost kind of spiritual superheroes and just the special people of life. And 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 I think sometimes, at least in my brain, this was propagated some by the the way. Uh, messages happen, and these are, these are not bad things, these are good things, but this is the way my, my brain translated it, is we hear a story about it, somebody really, really, that really did some amazing things, really did something special, and, and um, I, I, was, I was watching online the other day of the uh, people, the guys that started Firestone Tires, and uh, watched some interviews with them, and, and uh, the, the, the main guy specifically, and just really enjoyed his testimony and who he was and everything, and partly the reason is because he's a very simple, laid-back kind of guy. In fact, what they did is everybody else was getting up and speaking their their testimony, like a like the guy that started Veggie Tales. He he talks about how he moved that forward, and then it didn't go well because of bad decisions he made. And I was, but the Firestone guy, they didn't let him just have a microphone and talk. Uh, they interviewed him. It was about ten people. And when and it real and it dawned on me within about five seconds into this interview why he's not a communicator, 
He wasn't comfortable communicating. He wasn't, it's not his forte. And they had to really ask questions and draw this information out. But of all of the people, I probably liked his uh, testimony the, the greatest. And this is one of the reasons, and this is where I'm, where I'm going with this morning, is he's just an ordinary guy. In fact, he seemed kind of like, uh, he reminded me a lot of my grandfather, just the way he said things and did things. Just a, just a simple guy that wanted to start a company and, and thought, you know, I'm a Christian. I guess we could have Bible studies in this company. And they would start mailing Bibles out to people. They'd mail um, little scriptures. And, and they were going to do a Christmas card one time. And they, they had hired all these, as the company became worldwide, they hired all these like um, lawyer teams and all this other stuff. And they sent a Christmas card to somebody that said, Jesus loves you on the day he was born or something like that. He was thinking of you or something. And, uh, and it got mailed back to the company by somebody that was upset. And the lawyers brought it in and said, you guys can't do this. You can't be sending this stuff out. And, he, and the, the owner of Firestone said, so it's against the law? Well, not exactly against the law, but you can't do it. He said, but it's not against the law. No, then we'll be sending them out. Because... Lawyers don't dictate who we are. And he says, we're Christians, and this is who we are. And, and they would call up, they would call up their, um, their uh, regional d- uh, directors and stuff like that. And in the mornings, they have people that would call them and say, do you have a prayer request today? We're just going to be praying for um, your area, your managers, your district managers, all this other stuff. And they would just have a little time of prayer on the phone. They don't know if these people are Christians or not Christians. It didn't matter. They're Christians. And they want to do this. And this is, obviously, Firestone's a company you've probably heard of. So they, they've done okay. But the guy's just normal, just normal, everyday kind of guy. And that's one of the things, at least for me growing up in the church, it didn't seem like, for example, the Billy Grahams. Billy Graham's an amazing guy. Um, until I read his biography, I wouldn't have put him in the category of normal, ordinary. To me, he wasn't. And in fact, I still struggle with even after I read all this this stuff and I know about him. He's not just an ordinary guy in my thinking. He's one of those special people. And so as I got older and I knew I had a call of God on my life and I wasn't serving God and finally I get saved. And I I, I know I need to do what God has told me to do. And now I'm going to be in ministry and I go to be a youth pastor. And it really, really was extremely intimidating. I've, I've talked a little bit about this before, but I had a a 10-hour drive from one side of Texas to the other side of Texas where I was going to be a youth pastor. And so I packed up my Pinto and I headed out onto the road. And the reason it was 10 hours is because if I went over 65 and my Pinto would start shaking so bad, I, I couldn't see the road. And so I had to keep it under 65. And, but I, I was scared to death. I remember that drive so vividly, scared to death. I am driving across the country and I am thinking, I am going to be a youth pastor. I'm going to be a minister. I am 20 years old. I'm going to be a minister, and I don't have a clue how to do that. I don't have a clue about anything. I don't know. And this is the way I would always think about it. I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm just an, I'm just an everyday, ordinary person. I'm not one of those people's. I'm not a David Wilkerson or a Billy Graham or a Reinhard Bonnke. I'm not one of those guys. I'm just an ordinary guy. And it was very intimidating for me to really think, how can I do all of the stuff that God has designed? I'm not a Moses. I'm not an Elijah. I, I can't do these things. 
Now, this is before I really begin to get in Scripture and break stuff down and realize that, that almost everybody in Scripture that we see do amazing things were just ordinary people. They're just regular, everyday, ordinary people. And here's something, and I know this kind of flies in the face of some of our American thinking, not just church, but just kind of American thinking in general is, let me encourage you with this. You are very ordinary. You're just ordinary. Every one of us here are just ordinary people. This idea that you're a superstar and all this other kind of stuff, maybe you are. I don't think I am. I've never seen myself as that. I've seen some people as that, but I don't think that that's me. And there's a, the reality that I've come to over the years is uh, I don't think any of us, maybe, depending on how you define yourself, but I don't think you're that extraordinary. I think you're just ordinary. Now you say, well, that's not nice. We're supposed to, we're special. You know, we're created in the image of God. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. All those things are, are completely accurate and true. And then God says, when you put everything together that, that is you and you take the best of the best of the best of all humanity, spiritually and everything, that individual, whoever the holiest, greatest, most wonderful person is, when you put all, everything that they are before the Lord, it is filthiness in comparison to Jesus. It's nothing. And so we like to try to rank people. You know, there's the worst of the worst. And, uh, and you know, they deserve a bigger hell. And then there's the kind of the, the better people. And they probably deserve heaven. And, and then, 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 then there's somewhere we're right in between. Although I have found that most of us kind of put ourselves over on the we're not the bad people kind of category. But Scripture says that the reason that Jesus died on the cross is because every one of us deserved death. Every one of us deserve death because of our rebellion, our attitude, our life, our, our existence. We deserve hell. We deserve death. And then Jesus dies on the cross because he doesn't want us to go to hell. He wants that relationship with us. He wants us to be right with God. But what happens is somewhere in the process, we begin to think down different roads. And then, and then in society today, you know, everybody is, everybody is special. Everybody is great and all this other kind of stuff, which I don't disagree with. I'm not trying to say that that's not true. I do believe we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But I think what happens is that begins to shift in our minds, and we begin to think that us as the individual is special. There's a guy that's making a living, his name's Tony Robbins, by telling people that, that you are amazing down inside, and if you can just reach down inside and grab onto that greatness, you can be great at anything. And while I do believe God made people like that, I mean, he makes us all with potential. I believe that when you try to start reaching down inside and finding that goodness down inside with you, the flaw is now opening up. There's the problem, is we're reaching down inside to find greatness inside of us. And according to Scripture, there's no greatness inside of us. It's, who God, it's the creation that God created that is great. And it's when he puts himself in this creation that it becomes great. And so somewhere there has to be a balance of this. So um, I'm ordinary and uh, you're ordinary. That's, that's, a, that's where we're going to start with this, this morning is we're all just ordinary people. And uh, there's some extraordinary, there's some Tom Brady's in life. Um, everything goes his way. But for the most part, that's not us. Right? We're all just ordinary. I had somebody ask me recently, and I get this question regularly, there's two sides to this coin. 
Uh, some people greatly appreciate when I'm transparent as a pastor, when I'm speaking, I'm transparent. Some people greatly appreciate that, and uh, other people don't, and it makes them uncomfortable, whatever the case is, or, or maybe they don't think that I'm supposed to do that. But I, we had a conversation in our, in our staff meeting a few weeks ago about this and about uh, why I do some of the things I do. And let me help you out with some of this. Some of the reasons that I say some things to you that are cringeworthy when it comes to transparency. In other words, this is who I was, this is what I did, this is, a, this is the way I look at things, this is the way I thought process or whatever. And some of you, it may, it may be a little cringeworthy because you're thinking, well, as a pastor, should you really be doing that? Well, probably not. If you think that, probably not. But I did. So I want to talk about it. Here's the reason. I sat in churches for years and years as a kid. I've done this as an adult to where I've sat and listened. And, and it's almost like the person doing the speaking is so perfect, I will never be able to get there. I'm not ever going to be able to pray 10 hours a day and walk on water while changing the water into what you're walking on water and it becomes wine while you're walking on it. I, I, it's not me. I'm not that guy. And so sometimes when I say something like, you know, I'm driving down the road and, and, and I get mad at somebody, here's the reality. I know that you're all doing that and I'm doing that, but if I act like I'm not, then you, you, it's, I believe it's hypocrisy is what it is. Because why? I'm ordinary. I'm an ordinary guy just like you, except some of your girls. I'm just ordinary. And I have attitudes sometimes and a problem sometimes. And even what I was talking about last week is trying to get a breakthrough. I think sometimes that re one of the reasons that we don't really push forward and, and get to where we need to in God is because we've told ourselves that we can't. I'm not so-and-so. I'm not this person. I've even seen that right here in this church. Somebody just recently, I'm saying within the last couple months, said something about, they were talking about something in their life and business and stuff, and they used Jerry Tuttle as an example. They said, well, I'm not Jerry. Like, Jerry is God, you know, God, Jerry, them, somewhere here. And, and I told him, I said, now, I'm I not going to say this for Jerry, but if you go to Jerry and ask him, I bet you he will tell you some stories that you'll go, Jerry, you did that? You said that? Why? Because we're all ordinary humans. But we can be and can do extraordinary things. But I think the starting point is to say it's not about me, it's not from me, it's not for me, it's not any of these kind of things, but there's another step to this. And so the first thing, Acts chapter 4, I want to look at the powerful name of Jesus because this is... This is, the, I think, the, I mean, obviously the starting point in all this is Jesus, but the name of Jesus, specifically the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus, and through the name of Jesus, we can become more than we are. We can become something else. Now, part of my story is I've seen God do some very, very amazing, supernatural, extraordinary things with me and through me. But at the end of the day, I'm still an ordinary person. I'm just, a, I'm just one of the seven billion plus people that God's created. Now, again, I don't think that's discouraging. Some people get discouraged because we like to be individualized. We like to be made special. We, I was talking with somebody just this week that was, that was um, 
uh, talking about the, the uh, trophies and all this other kind of stuff. They said their kid was having a, a competition, and uh, at the end of the competition, everybody's going to get a trophy. And the parent was a little disgusted when they were telling me, oh, everybody's going to get a trophy. And I told him, I said, there's a thing, place called PragerU, PragerU.com. Go to PragerU, there's actually a little video about this. An Olympic soccer player, and he's a professional soccer player, said that, that if it weren't for trophies and awards, he would never have gotten to the Olympics. Never. Because there wouldn't have been push. There wouldn't have been competition. There wouldn't have been failure. And failure is a great push towards success. When you fail, you say, wait a second, I don't want to do that again. But if you don't even know that you fail because we're all rewarding everybody for failing, somewhere there's a problem with this. See, I believe that, that, that there are some extraordinary people, but I don't believe that they started as extraordinary. Maybe Tom Brady. But, but I don't think they started as extraordinary. I think they, they worked toward that. They, they, they set goals. They did things. They were out there working and working and working whenever, when somebody else is sitting in the house watching TV. And they're working and they're working and they're trying to get this. The name of Jesus can take us from ordinary to extraordinary. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's an important statement, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is, um, this is one of those things where you say, well, does, what is, why does it say that, filled with the Holy Spirit? Because uh, uh, Luke is specifically trying to say Peter did not do this within himself. He wasn't just a Christian doing something. Peter specifically was intentionally filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. This was something that Peter had intentionally directed himself toward. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. If this was just um, the kind of mentality that, that sometimes invades our church thinking, that when you get saved, you have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, there's never going to be any more, which is not true. There is an empowerment that comes along with going after the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be empowered. I talk about that. I do a lot of teaching on that when, we, when we're in the journey, that I, I specifically believe that praying in the Spirit is how you're being filled. I don't think it's a sign of being filled. I think it's how. It's the, it's the what. What's going on? That, so praying in the Spirit is how we're being filled. It's what's going on there. So why is that important? Because Peter, this, the, Peter was more than just the Holy Spirit's with me. That's not what he's saying. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Um, him and, and John had, um, uh, uh, this is where Peter said, um, um, I don't have any, I don't have silver and gold, have I none? I got to do it in King James or I can't say it. Silver and gold, have I none? Right? But I can give something to you. And uh, the guy gets healed. And so, so do you want to know how he was healed? They brought him on, they're questioning him, all this kind of stuff. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is important. Peter is stating, this isn't my ministry. This isn't about me. This isn't the, 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 the preface for the book that I'm writing. This is Jesus God of heaven interacted with this guy. I was just the person that recognized it because I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was the person that recognized it. I was the catalyst that stepped out in faith. But I am not a healer. I'll never be a healer. 
Jesus healed this guy. This is all about Jesus. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one who, referred to, who is referred to in scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. You know what he's saying when he's saying that to them? Is he, he is the foundation of this whole thing, but you said he wasn't necessary. The building cannot stand without him in the corner setting the, all the weight and the pressure on this stone. This, this building doesn't, doesn't um, get built the way that it's need to without this cornerstone. And you said he wasn't necessary for this whole thing. That it actually has nothing to do with it. But, it. but it can't exist without him. And he's talking about their Judaism. He's talking about their, their spiritual direction. But there is no salvation in anyone else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's a very important statement because somewhere you have to decide whether that's true for you. We all have to decide that. Do I believe there is other ways to heaven? Do I believe there is other religions? Do I believe that, that, that um, Hinduism or Buddhism or, or, or Islam or whatever? Do I believe that those are possible paths? You have to make the decision. Nobody can make that for you. You have to make that decision. But Peter is saying to these people who are rejecting Jesus as the answer, he's saying, you're not going to get to the heaven that you're studying and teaching about and getting in your synagogues and talking about. You're not going to get to that place unless you go through Jesus Christ because there's no other option. There's no other way to get there except through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the members of the council were amazed. Now look at this. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. I, I love that sentence. In fact, that, that has been, for years, it's been a very strong sentence for me. I was, I was already in ministry 15 years close when I went back and got degrees and got the uh, letters after my name. And I enjoyed my education. I don't get me wrong. I enjoyed my education, and I believe that I learned a lot through the process. But I also believe that our country puts an unhealthy um, uh, uh, focus on higher education. Now, I know that specifically if you're education people, I know you're like, wait, why does it heretic? You know, but I believe that. But here's part of the reason: we'll go to to college. And, and earn a degree and have $100,000 worth of debt, and it'll take you 25 years to pay that $100,000 off. Look at this in a business sense. Is that really a good return on your investment? Is it? Somewhere, so we were to Paul and I were talking about this the other day. He went and got a counseling degree. Counseling is one of the uh, least paying, less return on any education that you can get. And except for something like history major. So I mean, I'm a history major. But, but these guys, this is the same th thinking at the time. If you're not educated, if you don't know all the stuff we do, and you haven't been all through the patterns and the things, plus, plus part of the reason with me with higher education right now is it is so anti-God and so liberal and so crazy that I think your education is actually more hindering than positive. I, I saw a story just this last week where this girl... Um, she graduated top of her class, had, had scholarships to all kinds of universities around the country, and she said, I don't think it's a good return on my investment, and she went and got a diesel, she, she entered into diesel mechanic school. 
And there are people irate. How dare you waste the brain, the knowledge within inside of you, which I guess means diesel mechanics are, are zombies. I don't know. My numb nothingness is, right? You, you understand the thinking there? If, if she enjoys doing that, and she can make very good money, by the way, doing that, why is that bad? Because in our society, you've got to get that degree. You've got to get the, you got to, they're saying the same thing, but it was all spiritually right. You don't have the right to speak into somebody else's life unless you have this kind of pedigree, unless you have this kind of education, you have this other kind of thing. And this is the coolest part about this. They recognized them. Uh, they were ordinary men. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus, which they saw as a negative, by the way. We see as a positive. They saw as a negative. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. Well, you don't have all the pedigree. You don't have all the stuff. You don't have all the knowledge. You can't be talking about God. You can't be doing stuff. You can't be teaching. You can't be doing all this stuff. And, and Peter and John just kind of look over at the crippled guy that's no longer crippled. They just kind of look at him like, you want to say something? These guys are all running their mouth. Did you want to, did you want to say, I got an idea. Why don't you walk over to them? Right? And there's nothing they could do about it. Because why? The spiritual authority that got that guy healed is way bigger than the world's authority that tries to give us knowledge, which is oftentimes very flawed. And I know, again, I really appreciated my education. I think it was a good, positive thing. But I saw a lot of things in seminary that were, were the most discouraging things I've seen in church culture. People that had no relationship with the Lord at all talking about and teaching the Bible. Do not know, don't even believe that God is real teaching about the Bible. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. Um, the previous pastor here, Randy Papano, his son came to me. He had just gone to Vanguard in California. It's a Christian university. And uh, he knew I sat on the board at Southwestern. He was trying to tell me, he was trying to explain to me how uh, Vanguard is so much cooler than the school that I sit on the board with. And, uh, and he said, you know what? We have a professor in our school that's an atheist. He saw that as a cool thing. I was like, Clint, do you, do you know what you just said? As far as I'm concerned, I will never encourage somebody to go to that school now. Ever. What? He saw it as the coolest thing, but I mean, he was like 21 at the time, or 20. That's, that's cool. This is a Christian university, and you're bragging because you got an atheist as a professor? He doesn't have any authority that I want to know about. He doesn't have any knowledge that I want to hear from. But you, you talk to somebody that knows how to pray, I want to talk to them. You talk to somebody that gets in the Bible, and they know that God is the answer. Even if they get some of the details wrong, I want to hear from them. Because why? This is the cool thing. To me, they just went from ordinary to extraordinary. Because the same thing that Peter and John do here, Peter and John go from ordinary to extraordinary. Well, you don't have the education of but look at the guy that got healed. Look how they say this. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right among them, there was nothing the council could say. 
So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everyone in Jerusalem knows about it. We can't deny this. There is power that we just saw displayed. There is transformation that we just saw displayed. We, we were at this conference uh, Thursday in Denver, and it's, it's a pastor-leader uh, conference. Our whole pastor, all of our pastors went there were some very powerful things that these guys said, but one of the things that just kept resonating, I mean, there's this um, guy named uh, Craig Rochelle, which is, I think, one of the more amazing pastors of this generation. True spirit-filled pastors, literally hundreds of thousands of people because of Life Church TV. He's the guy that's in charge of that. And he was talking about, he said, guys, the, the, the direction the church has got to go, he says, I think we're getting away from all this cool stuff. He said, we've gone through that phase. We're done with that. We're getting away from all the cool stuff. You know, it has to be about the cool lights, the smoke, and, and the, you know, all the stuff. And, the, and it, He says, we're getting past that. He said, because the generation that's coming up, he said, they just want real, and they want spiritually real. And we as the church have got to be able to answer that. And I thought, that's, I say that all that I should be on TV. It's, this is the thing for me about this is, guys, at the end of the day, the stuff that churches do doesn't get you to know God better unless it's God that's the center and the focus of it. I, I, don't, I, don't need, I don't need to know what everybody thinks about this subject or this subject or the book writers or whatever, but when, my, when, my, when, when I'm crippled, I need healing. That's how simple that is. Then, your theologies, your books, your church structures, you do it. But when I'm crippled, I need healing. When I'm spiritually, emotionally, mentally crippled, I need healing. Not all the stuff. And that's why I keep pushing, pushing, pushing us as a church. Because we've got to go there. Until we get there, we're flawed. Until we get there, we're not, we're not really doing what we need to be doing. We're doing some good things, and, I, and, I, and I'm glad about that. But we've got to be pushing in and saying, Jesus, we're not okay until you visit us. Holy Spirit, we're not okay until you change us. This is what happens. The second part of this is that there is also powerful truth, not just the powerful name of Jesus, but there's powerful truth. There really is truth. John chapter 7, verse 14. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and he began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? Have you ever seen the irony in that statement? He's the God of everything, wrapped up in human flesh, and they're upset because he doesn't know as much as them. He created all of the know that they have in them. But they don't know. He doesn't know. It's the, the irony here is just crazy. How does he know so much? Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. You, you want to you move forward in life in wisdom? I'm, I'm not saying maybe not necessarily in all the way social looks or, or, um, or uh, workplaces or all those kind of things. There's some, there's some nuances with what I'm saying. I'm saying in a general sense for your life. But if you want to move forward in wisdom, and true, true godly wisdom, just speak what God speaks. Don't, don't try to parse it. Don't try to edge, uh, hedge it. Don't do it. Just, just speak what God speaks. When, God, when the Scripture says something about a subject, and somebody says, well, what do you believe about that? 
Don't try to make them feel comfortable. I know that's a natural human tendency right there. And, and you can do it without being a jerk. I mean, you don't have to just slap them with Scripture in a, in a wrong way. But if, if they say, what do you think about this? We, I had a conversation with a guy a couple weeks ago about this where, where he said, I don't believe there is absolute truth. And there was a few of us sitting around the table, and we all began to say, but there is. Just because you don't think there is doesn't mean there isn't. There is absolute truth. God's word tells us certain things. My easy one is, is gravity. There is absolutes, and gravity is one of them. Test it. You'll lose every time. There are absolutes. Jesus says this is sin, this is not. And you've got to stick with that. If you speak God's word, you'll be doing the same thing Jesus did, and you'll be on the side of truth at all times. It's not always the comfortable place. And again, you don't have to, you don't have to, to beat people with God's word. And Jesus didn't do that, but he never backed away. And he says, I'm only speaking what God says to speak. Jesus said, it's not my message, it's God. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. And I love that statement because he's saying, if you really are going after God, you'll recognize that this is truth. Do you realize how profound that is in today's society? You'll know truth when you see it, if you are truly wanting to go after God. You will miss truth if you're going after something else, whatever it is. But if you're going after God, you'll get truth. You'll, you'll recognize it when you see it. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Isaiah chapter 53, and now this is verse 2. I don't usually read verse 2. Or if I do, I'm kind of moving through it to get to verse 3. But verse 2 says, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. Look at this. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Which tells me that pretty much every drawing I've ever seen of Jesus is not accurate. Because in those drawings, he is a beautiful man. Blue eyes, blonde hair, white skin, none of that stuff's true. You, you understand that, right? None of it's true. But that's the way the American church, and, and I would say European, have, have framed Jesus. And we see right here, not true. Scraggly beard, we know he had a scraggly beard. Scripture tells us that. He had to have been dark-skinned. There's no way he looked like the Bee Gees. I don't care, I don't care how many paintings you've seen. He, didn't, he was not Andy Gibb. Andy wasn't actually a BG, though. He was the little brother, right? Did I get that? Okay, so I just left some of you. You're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us. Now, why is that important? Because why are you attracted to Jesus? Ask yourself. So the third part of this is the fact that we can become from ordinary to extraordinary by a powerful Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called his disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. How amazing is that, that ordinary people were going to be walking around through their communities and healing people because of the power of the Holy Spirit. They immediately become extraordinary, not because 
Uh, Jesus was good looking, not because they're good looking, not because Jesus was talented or they're talented or anything else. It's because the Holy Spirit jumps into the middle of limited human beings that really can't get the job done sometimes and really don't have enough wisdom or understanding or whatever. And the Holy Spirit jumps right in the middle of these kind of people and he does amazing, extraordinary things through us. That's the point of this. That's the whole point of all of this. That Jesus has a plan when he creates us. Yes, we're beautifully and wonderfully made, but we have to choose to go into the direction that Christ wants us to. And then we become extraordinary. Verse 7, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. I was looking through the list of the disciples. And unless you did this for some specific competition reason or something, there's almost a given that most of us in this room, if not all of us, cannot name all 12 disciples. Or here's a bigger one, all 13. Because one and then another. Okay, so why, why do I say that? Oh, we know Peter, James, and John. We know those kind of things. But um, what about... Fred. You didn't know there was a disciple named Fred, did you? <laughs> what about Bartholomew? What did he do? What, what, name some things in Scripture that he did. Name some moments when he was the amazing disciple. I, I, I think he probably picked up baskets of food at the feeding of the 5,000, but what did he do? After Jesus, what did he do? Where did he go somewhere? Did he do something? What did this, this is the cool thing about it. I don't think this is a negative. I think this is amazing. He's just an ordinary guy, but Jesus saw something, and for the rest of time, he goes down in the annals of history as one of the disciples. Now, here's something that we do know that he did. He was given authority to cast out evil spirits, heal every kind of disease and illness, and he went around healing the sick, raising the dead, curing those with leprosy, and casting out demons. Now, what makes him different than us? I'll tell you one thing that makes him different than us is we know a lot more about all this than he did. You, you know that, right? We have more knowledge and understanding of God and his word than he would have known. The, the difference is, you say, well, yeah, but he was with Jesus. We can all be with Jesus. He was with Jesus for two and a half to three years, max, we can be with Jesus our entire lifetimes. We have the power of the Holy Spirit our entire lifetimes. We, can, we have access to all of God's Word. We have access to so much. All we have to do is say, Lord, take this ordinary person and make me extraordinary in you. Just make me, make me what you want me to be. I, I, I wrote a few little things down. I am not drawn to Jesus because he was famous or because he was good looking or anything else. Those are off the table. He was famous but in a negative kind of way. In fact, there's a book, uh, a historical book written by a guy named Josephus where he talks about Jesus and he had this amazing following of people and all this other stuff. But Josephus does not like Jesus. He doesn't believe he was God. And he, he criticizes him in this book. He, he says it like this following is somehow fake because he doesn't believe that Jesus is God. He was a contemporary. He was, a, he was alive at the same time. Or, or right thereafter, actually. And he recognized, he saw 
the crowds and the believers of Jesus. He saw him himself, but he didn't believe in Jesus. Jesus wasn't extraordinary. He wasn't a superstar. He was, but only in certain arenas. He couldn't have been too much of a superstar. They killed him. And the crowds were part of that. All the crowds were following him. I've, I've talked about this before on Easter. They laying down their coats and the palm leaves, and three days later, that same group of people are saying, crucify him. They're rock star to we don't need you alive anymore. That's not why I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus because he jumped in the middle of my life, and he said, Scott, I made you. Now let me do with you what I made you for. I love you. I'll forgive you. I'll wash you clean, and I'll use you in amazing ways if you'll just let me be in charge. And my, one of my biggest regrets in life is that I haven't been more open to him doing those things, and I resist sometimes. I want him to do things. I want him to. But my flesh tries to stay ordinary. It tries to stay regular. It tries to stay nothing. It tries to stay part of the crowd. It tries to stay um, not standing out or being embarrassed or all the different things. My flesh wants to be ordinary. And Jesus says, but, but there's, a, there's a guy right here that could be healed. But I need you to be ready. I need you to be thinking. I need you to let me make you extraordinary. That's, to me, that's the key for all of us here. Is Jesus has, has done everything he can do to make us extraordinary. What we got to do is step out of ourselves and say, okay, Jesus, this is about you. Why don't you stand with me? So we're going we're gonna to spend a little bit of time praying again this morning, and, and I want you to think about it like this if possible. I mean, if this helps, it may not help, but uh, some ways that I'm processing. Jesus draws me, and then I respond. Now, he's drawing no matter what, but I respond. Jesus loves me. He loves me no matter what, but I respond. There has to be a response. Lord, I respond to you. You're drawing me. You're pulling me. loving me. I'm, re- I'm responding to these different things. I have to respond to this. Jesus gives me forgiveness. He gives me grace, but I have to respond. It doesn't just happen. And so kind of even in the same frame of thought as last week is kind of the breakthrough mentality. I, I think it's a good thing just to say, Lord, I'm ordinary, but I want, to be, I want you to be right in the middle of me, and that makes me extraordinary. I can, I can think the way that I need to. I can pray the way that I need to. I can be who you call me to be. If, if Literally, if I'll just respond just respond to what he wants. So bow your head with me. I want us to pray together and then um, give you an opportunity to uh, have somebody pray with you. But let's pray. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts to this. Lord, we, we, really, are, we really are quite ordinary. There's, there's so many of us that you've created. But Lord, I also believe that you've made us very unique in the middle of that. And I believe you've made us very special in the middle of that. Lord, sometimes we just feel so regular. Just one of the people. Lord, I know that you want to do so much with us. Lord, I believe you want to do so much with our families and our, our lives and our workplaces. God, we've got to go from ordinary to extraordinary. Lord, I know that that's your plan. I know it's your will. I know it's your desire. So, Lord, help us to realize that it's not 
us that's special within ourselves, but Lord, it's you that created us that makes us special. It's you that wants to live within us that makes us special. It's your Holy Spirit that wants to empower this physical body that makes us special. Lord, all we have to do is respond. Doesn't matter how educated or uneducated, doesn't matter how trained or not, how wise or not, or how how experienced or not, but Lord, you just want to empower this physical body with your Holy Spirit. So Lord, we want to respond to that. In the name of Jesus. So to leave it with this, to make it personal for you, you making it personal, is... um, Cindy's playing piano. We got just a little bit of time here. Um, some people are an hour from now going to be showing up, so we have plenty of time. And to be able to say, Lord, I just need to spend a little time with you. I think there's something that we need to do on a private level where we say, Jesus, first I want to own the fact that I'm ordinary, but second, I need you to make me extraordinary. And to do that, I have to have your Holy Spirit. I have to have your Holy Spirit. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. And so to to just take a minute or two, sit down where you are, come to the front, whatever you want to do, just find your little place, maybe spread out, get away from a couple people near you, and just to spend a little time saying, Lord, I, I need your spirit within me. I can't do this without your spirit. I can't do family. I can't do life. I can't do work the way that you want me to without your spirit in me. Without your Holy Spirit, empower me. I need that. So you've got a few minutes, you're, you're dismissed. If you need to be, I understand their classes are going to be going and different things. But to encourage you, just spend a few minutes before you take off from here. Just say, Lord, I need your spirit. I need you within me. I need your Holy Spirit. Let me pray a closing on us. Lord, help us to be who you called us to be. Fill us with your spirit. Make us the witnesses that you want us to be. Lord, thank you for using us, trusting us, believing in us and giving us the authority to pray for the sick, cast out the demons. Lord, you've given us that authority and to preach your gospel, proclaim your gospel. We thank you for this in Jesus' name.